It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by Price Picks. Price Picks is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week, you might be already in it, it might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Quickly to wall. Wall measures. Deal. Gets open for three. Dagger! Here comes Pierce with five seconds left. Pierce with three. Pierce with two. Pierce full away at the horn. It's gone! Morris, Wall, Deal, and Gortel. Porter can't find anybody. Gives it to Wall. Porter gets Bradley for three. Yo, what's good? You're listening to the Locked On Wizards podcast. We are the only Wizards podcast that posts five days a week, five podcasts, five days a week, every Monday through Friday. Uh, This podcast is all about Wizards news and analysis. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, or Spotify, and you can also follow us on Twitter at LockedOnWizards, or go to the LockedOnWizards.com webpage. And surprise, surprise, I'm stuck. I'm Noah Getzel, by the way, host of the Locked On Wizards podcast. Yesterday, I had a riveting conversation that was uh, so got so intense that we had to cut it in half and keep the, the rest of it for tonight's edition, and that was with Danny Meltzer, who is a college friend of mine who happens to work for the Milwaukee Bucks, and we got into topics of the NCAA being totally corrupt and how the G League is kind of like the only glimmer of hope for resolving some of these issues and then lo and behold LeBron James addresses these exact same topics he must have snuck into my computer and started listening to this or something last night but he wanted to talk about the same thing today so anyway we are back with Danny Meltzer we're going to talk about the Wizards narrow victory over the Bucks tonight 107-104 and then I'm going to play the rest of the podcast which is with the same guest so you might not even know when one pass podcast ends and the other begins but Danny Tell me what's good. Are you how are you feeling after um this this tough loss for the Bucks tonight? Yeah, it was tough. Uh, obviously, growing up a Wizards fan, someone was going to win, someone's going to lose tonight. Bucks needed a lot more. Definitely want the Bucks to win at this point. 
Um, but whoever lost that game, it was going to be a tough one. So definitely hurting a little bit after the uh, three-point loss tonight. Yeah, the Wizards went up 14 nothing, and they were up 21 in the first quarter, ended that first quarter up 40-22. to uh, Second quarter, the Wizards kept it a 14-point lead going into the end of, of that quarter, so it was you know, more or less even. And then the second half, the Bucks just came out firing. Wizards fell asleep. It was an 18-6 to run through, like, midway through the third quarter. Um, Eric Bledsoe hit probably, like, his last big shot of the night. He had a three from the wing to bring uh, bring the score within two. It was, like, 70-68 at that point. And then it stayed tight the rest of the time. Ultimately, Bradley Beal and Markeith Morris just totally lifted the, the Wizards at the end of the game with Otto Porter uh, having a huge first half and then missing everything in the second half. He, he came down really hard on his elbow after Giannis contested one of his layup attempts. So it, it was basically just Beal, eight points in the fourth quarter, and then Markeith Morris, who had essentially the game-winning play with his defense on Giannis, uh, forcing him to miss in the paint with, what, four seconds to go? Uh, what what yep. did you think of the, the play calling and... The execution of the Bucks, uh, you know, in the final final like three minutes or so. Sure. So final play to start there. Um, can't hate a Giannis fadeaway shot because of his extension and length. It's really not defended. It's more or less just an open jumper. Mm-hmm. He's made a couple. Walked off the Knicks last year in MSG. Uh, just didn't go down tonight. Just like it didn't go down against New Orleans on Sunday. So be it. Um, we talked about it last night. It comes down to Giannis every night for the Bucks and. Uh, Overall, tonight you look at his box score. It looks good on paper. I'm not here to discredit. You know, 23 points, 13 boards, eight assists, three steals, six blocks. It's a it's a monster stat line. You know, 50% shooting on 16 attempts. It is only three. But end of the day, for him, that's just kind of what we expect. And we need a little bit more. A three point game. It's pretty obvious what we need. So I'll commend Kelly Oubre and Marquise Morris's defense all night. It was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, kept him passive, but. First thing first, Giannis, great game, just needed a little bit more. Yeah, and how are you feeling heading into the fourth quarter? It was like a huge momentum changer when the uh, sure. the the Bucks got within three points, and it was just like a a big, like, uh, what was it, Jason Terry hit a, an open three at the top of the key with like maybe 10 seconds left in the third quarter, and then Jan Mahimni tried to like pull up some weak sauce finger roll on Giannis, who possibly yeah, goaltended it and just swatted the, like the living, like all the life out of that ball. Um, and it, it was just a huge swing that quarter. The the Bucks outscored the Wizards 31 to 20. For sure. So uh, first question for you, I was in the arena. It was very loud at that point for a Tuesday night in February against not a marquee matchup against the Wizards. It was, it was a great crowd. How did it look on TV? Early in the game, I imagine pretty quiet, but when that happened, how to look on TV to the national audience. Yeah, of course it was quiet early, but um, second quarter you saw that 9-3 run to start the quarter. In the fourth quarter, it was I wasn't actually, believe it or not, I wasn't watching on live TV. I was watching a stream of the game, of TNT's stream, but it was it seemed pretty pretty live. Yeah, it, it was lit. I don't know. It did it. I'm sure people were, were pretty crazy in the, in the fourth quarter. Where were you? Where were your seats? I was saying just dead center tonight, taking in the best view. Okay. The game, a comprehensive view. Jason Terry, when he hits threes, he also does this great two-liter mode. <laughs> the Jets, yeah, no doubt. You know how many times you saw it tonight? He literally will pump up the crowd, get his hand swinging. And at one point tonight, he wasn't happy with the foul call or lack of a foul call. He put the 
thumbs down to the crowd so they would boo more, which is amazing to see an NBA player do that, obviously. You know, the guy's been in the league forever. He knows what he's doing, so. Yeah, only he's six points tonight, but they, they were, yeah, they were critical. Yeah, and, you know, he shot, got it here, two for four, two mm-hmm. for four threes. Take fifty percent any day, but yeah, I'm not a big fan of plus minus. But he's a plus eight tonight. He was definitely a positive overall. Mm-hmm. So you were saying the supporting cast for the Bucks couldn't quite get the job done. Uh, you had sure. four guys in double digits. Uh, Jabari Parker had his highest scoring total of the season, the young season. He's only been playing for a month. He had nineteen, and then Bledsoe was a little bit erratic and kind of cost the team late with jacking up this, you know, heat check type three in the final couple minutes, then committing a turnover. He had 17, shooting 6 of 15. Chris Middleton was, he had a big uh, and one, like, right with, I, I've got to double check how much time was left, but it seemed like there was a minute or, like, 25 seconds ago, something like that. Yeah, it was in the final minute. Yeah. Uh, we got to stop. And then, uh, but you're right. Through, but Everyone else was pretty silent besides that. Um and the so Bucks yeah, only shot forty five percent. Absolutely. Um, talk about supporting cast. I'll shout out Jabari Parker tonight. He was great. Six of ten, hit two threes. I mean, you can see the star potential tonight like tonight. And they let him close the game. He was on the court at the end, so um, big step in the right direction for Jabari. Definitely not the issue tonight. Um, we we talked about it last night. It's Giannis and then you need the supporting cast. Uh, one stat I heard today, and I'll give a shout-out to uh, my colleague, Zach Treadway. This guy knows analytics, mm-hmm. facts before I test kind of guy. Uh, stat he told me today, entering the night, now it happened again. When Giannis records a zero or a negative plus minus, the Bucks are 0-20. Wow. He's the only all-star for that to be the case. All-star 0 stat. 20. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. so... What was he tonight? Supporting cast can't cover him Again, he's at like minus one, so okay. low 19, 20. So here's what I see with this team. If Giannis is held to, again, huge night tonight by anyone else's standards, but pretty much average in the points department. Six blocks, though. Obviously. Come on. Three, yeah, blo- three steals. I'm 13 saying rebounds. What, that should be the expectation from him moving forward, and we need a little bit more. But it comes down to then Middleton, Bledsoe. Uh, when we get Brogdon back, Jabari had a nice night. Milton, big and one, but 0 for 4 from 3. All of them pretty much wide open. Two to start the game. Guys in that big hole to start the game. Um, and then Bledsoe, like I said last night, he gets in his mode where he takes kind of heat check jumpers, like you said. 6 of 15. Uh, had some really nice defensive plays. Had that long outlet pass alley-oop that he missed. Another layup that just went off his hand the weird way. Um, Cup those go in. Bucks win, so... Mm-hmm. From the Bucks side of things tonight, I think supporting cast just didn't have enough. And then from the Wizards side of things, they did get enough from the supporting cast. I mean, Beal led with 21, which is nowhere near. Eight assists, you know, though. His, his assists have been way up um, since he's sure. you know, been taking on the, the alpha dog role uh, for this team the past 13 games now. And then Porter, he didn't score in the second half, but he, he started off to a great start. Um, he was 7-11 in the first half. 17 points. Ubre had another solid performance, 13 points. Uh, Let's talk about him for a second. Sure. Because first game in Milwaukee, don't remember him really doing much. This is second time live, able to see him this year. Vast improvement from that early game in November. Um, played great defense on Giannis, made Giannis pass the ball, which I guess is the best defense against Giannis. Mm-hmm. Seen that he shoots about 50%. Um, didn't shoot the ball tremendously well. 
don't think he hit a three tonight. Nah, um, okay, there's cool. one huge play in the fourth. Got a switch, drove, got a huge dunk, and one. Oh, that yeah. silenced the crowd, and the Bucks took a, literally a timeout before he could even shoot the free throw. It was kind of a stop the Wizards' momentum and get things together. So, Kelly Oubre, Wizards, please don't trade him. Ever. He's <laughs> going to be a massive piece moving forward. Um, clutch moments. He can probably switch out on a lot of threes and fours with mm-hmm. Otto Owens. And I know sometimes I like to play that Markeith at the five lineup. We'll love to see the Bucks mimic that and play Giannis at the five and kind of go to that Supernova team. Yeah. Um, especially when you have Gortat out. I mean, I, I hate being dictated by the other team's lineup. I think you should be doing the dictating when you have a player like Giannis. So, and at I'm, the end of the day, these teams are uh, very even, apparently. I have no idea what position you considered Giannis, but one thing that Scott Brooks said recently is that Ubre's got to learn how to guard multiple positions and not just, you know, lanky athletic guys like him who are 6'6 to 6'8, anything like that. So, like, against the Sixers, he shut down J.J. Redick. Um, he guarded um, Isaiah Thomas a ton in last postseason, and he's been gu- guarding point guards effectively all year. He struggles against some of those bigger, stronger type of uh, opponents. I know he... Against the Cavs, he had to guard a LeBron a little bit. Um, even recently against the Celtics, he really struggled against Marcus Morris. But I think that'll be the next step in his defensive development, um, improving off the ball with like his weak side help, and then also just being able to guard one through four is is going to be huge because his wingspan is ridiculous. I think like I think it's about seven one seven two, and he's a six foot seven guy. And the only the only crazier wingspan I know of in the NBA is Donovan Mitchell who's 6'3 and has, yeah. <laughs> I think, like a 7'2 wingspan or something like that. Yeah, I've got to double-check it. Uh, the Nuggets regret some of their decisions last summer, making mm-hmm. that trade with the Jazz. But you're right. Oubre's next step. Um, him and Mark Keefe is a credit for tonight, too. Forced Giannis, a couple offensive foul turnovers, um, which were iffy calls at best. Five turnovers overall, which is above the average, so... Overall, I think the Wizards played a pretty solid defensive game. Definitely some uh, lapses in the second half, but I thought they brought it defensively more often than the uh, Bucks tonight overall. Mm-hmm. And one thing uh, that really stands out about this game is the Wizards taking care of the ball because uh, last time they played the Bucks, they committed 23 turnovers, which I think is tied for a season high. And then tonight it was only 12. Meanwhile, they forced uh, 17. Yeah, 17, I think. Yeah, 17 for the Bucks, which isn't atrocious, but, you know, some of those late ones, like, uh, who was it, um, Eric Bledsoe giving it up with just a, a minute or so on the clock, you know, that that really cost the team. Yep. Um, turnover's always a good point. Points off were even, but a lot of the Bucks ones were just careless dead ball turnovers. Mm-hmm. I think anytime you can say, let's cut turnovers, will help us win. Sure. Sounds very obvious. Um. Bucks missing a couple of their best ball handlers and Rock and Dover right now. So hopefully the turnovers can get cut down. They're a young team. They do some uh, careless stuff. But the Wizards, for the most part, prevented transition points, which again was even tonight. Um, that's kind of the jewel to the Bucks because when Giannis gets out there, no one can really stop him. I think there was three straight stops in uh, the fourth quarter where we got out and tried to run, and we came away with zero points, a couple turnovers, and then the shot. So. Mm-hmm. And that that play with uh, 25 seconds left after forcing the shot clock violation on yep. Tomas Sadoransky, 
that play really just took way too long to develop. It was kind of a two-man game between Bledsoe and... Because it left it with no time at the end of the game. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I understand that, but do you, was it the shot that that you can live with as a Bucks fan? For sure. I mean, Giannis from six to eight feet, right? Fain away is going to hit it over fifty percent time. Um, I think at times the Bucks get away from Giannis, but in the clutch in the last couple of weeks, we've had a lot of games go down to the last couple of uh, possessions. It's pretty much exclusive in Giannis with Middleton kind of ISO mid range jumpers being sprinkled in. Um, yeah, we'll live with it. And honestly, the more Giannis shoots those, the better prepares him for the next one. And the next one eventually will be in the playoffs. So the more experience he gets being the guy, I'm all for. Mm-hmm. So again, the Wizards beat the Bucks uh, on the road in Milwaukee tonight, 107-104. And in our final segment tonight on the Locked On Wizards podcast, we are going to talk about LeBron's uh, – saying that the NCAA is corrupt and we'll read off uh, some of the exact things that he said about, um, you know, hoping that the farm league, the G league is going to develop and improve for the NBA to help uh, give guys a chance to actually make, earn some money and not have all the temptations of pay for play. That's causing all these FBI investigations with NCAA. So we're going to take a real quick break and Danny Meltzer and I are going to come right back with the locked on wizards podcast So stay tuned. We'll be right back. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Welcome back to the Locked On Wizards podcast. Uh, Thanks for tuning in and listening. So Danny actually had a a bit of foresight um, somehow. We we started talking about... uh, ways to fix the broken NCAA system and all the scandals that are emerging. And he said exactly what LeBron said today. So Danny Meltzer is our guest tonight. He works for the Bucks and comes from uh, Bethesda, Maryland. He grew up being a big Wizards fan. So basically, like, I don't know how you predicted this, but you know, you knew what LeBron was going to say. LeBron said NCAA is corrupt. He said, uh, like his exact quote is, I just look at it like a farm league or like baseball. Uh, when you look at overseas, some of those guys signed at age 14, but they got into a farm system where they're able to grow around other professionals for three or four years. And then when they're ready, they hit the national team or when they're ready to play, they become pro. So uh, I think us, the NBA, we have to kind of really figure it out how we can do that. We have to figure out how a kid feels at feels like 16, 17 years old. Um, if he feels the NCAA is for him, whatever that case may be, we have a system in place. We have a farm league where 
we, they can learn and be around professionals, not actually become a professional at that point in time, uh, not actually play in the NBA, but learn for a few years. And Barack Obama even uh, voiced something similar. Uh, he, he said everybody acts shocked as if uh, some kid from extraordinarily poor circumstances who's potentially, you know, 5 or 10, 15 million dollars waiting for him is going to be circled by everybody in the context of, of which people are taking billions of dollars. It's not good at a minimum. Uh, we only, sorry, the one way of thinking about the, this would be what happens in baseball when you're looking at Bryce Harper or Aaron Judge, and then uh, you make that jump to a professional level. Even if you're not ready for the big leagues immediately, you have uh, it's clear that this is going to be your profession. You start getting paid. The professional organization's on the hook. There's clarity. If you're Bryce Harper or Aaron Judge, then you go to college, but you're signing for a certain amount of time. So basically, all, these guys are saying that there needs to be a better developmental system in place and either that or pay the college athletes which would be a little bit tricky of how you would organize it and some of the title nine issues that could come into play because teams like UConn and Maryland actually make money for the women's programs for basketball at least but other schools uh like there, there's basically no tv interest there's no money raked in from female programs so how do you kind of distribute that equally and then even in the men's programs you've got some of the the super six conferences and then after that like if you look at george washington university or george mason these are teams that rarely make the tournament they don't really generate much revenue at all so can you be paying it's it's tough to figure out what college athletes should be paid if that system were to be in play so danny described some of the ways you know echoing lebron what lebron says um, in terms of how the system could potentially work out and just highlighting how, how every team is getting a G League um, subsidiary organization to, to make it work. Do you have anything else to add before we go into uh, yeah. all the, everything you offered yesterday? Well said. Not going to compete with uh, Barack Obama and LeBron. <laughs> These aren't revolutionary ideas. These ideas have been around for multiple years. Um, I think the NBA has made moves that show that they also think in a similar way. And at the same time, recent news is probably going to speed that up. Um, everything with the G League and the NCAA, probably no perfect solution. I think some people say, we'll just pay the college athletes. You got into it, and that's hours of long conversation on how to actually do that. How do you pay the field hockey team the same as the men's basketball team? How do you pay the football team the same as you know a golf team? I see that as kind of a overall amateur conversation. Whereas the NBA doesn't have to worry about that massive conversation. They just have to worry about what's best for them. And what we get into tonight is how does the NBA keep the control of the players, what's best for the players, and also, obviously, what it means for the NCAA if the best players aren't playing there. I think there'll still be interest. Plenty of teams have built senior-laden programs. And for some kids, going to college will be better than going to the G League. It won't be for everyone. Yeah, that that makes sense absolutely. And when you look at um before 2006-2007 when when the one and done rule was initiated, you know, there was still great college basketball and a lot of top talented players were, you know, it was very rare that people would come from high school. You had some some guys who were stars, but if you look at like the 2000-2001 Maryland versus Duke matchups, you had guys who were elite and everybody liked watching and not all of them developed into 
the the same star-studded NBA players. You had guys like Lonnie Baxter and Shane Battier and Carlos Boozer, who you know, Lonnie Baxter, no, but the rest of them had illustrious long uh, tenures in the NBA. And it, I I don't you know there are still teams like Wisconsin Badgers for sure who have guys stay all four years because they're not going to make an immediate impact in the league. So we'll get right into that um, and we'll we'll talk about you know, LeBron being the success story. And so we're just going to let that run and uh, let you enjoy what Danny Meltzer had to say about um, the improvements in the G League and and where that minor league system is going. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. LeBron's one of the the few great players to come out of high school and actually make it in the league. Um, one of the other guys he talked about, Brandon Jennings. You know, like he, I don't know when he was drafted, but like I think, uh, what was it? Right before Odin and Durant, that was the last year that you were able to just jump straight to the pros. And so that's right. gonna get us into our next topic. Um, and you are recommending the G League and moving towards like a more soccer professional type path. Um. Speaking of yeah. the G League, uh, Brandon Jennings, our boy, who kind of ruined the Wizards' backup point guard position. The, yeah, the where did they play again? Oshkosh? Yeah, so big PSA for Wisconsin Hurt. Uh, first year in the G League, which we'll touch on. If you're a Wizards fan, get ready for the go-go, because they're coming next year. <laughs> um, yeah, so Brandon Jennings, I believe he is still only 28 or 29 years old, which is unbelievable. Oh, for sure. Um, out of the league. For the Wizards fans who watched the playoffs last year, that will be no shock to you. But now says healthy towards Achilles. That was back in like March of 15, February 15. So we're talking three years out at this point. Finally says he's healthy. And he's back in the G League. Why? Because for him, it's a better path to the NBA than playing in Europe for probably more money. Mm. And he was playing overseas in China before. And yeah, so we were just chatting. Our Badgers are not having a great basketball season. Probably going to miss the tournament for the first time in almost two decades, uh, but talking about college basketball and how the one-and-done system is now kind of getting a nice bright light signed on it for a lot of the recruiting violations that go on. Uh, the FBI report that came out is really a shock to no one who follows college basketball because this has been going on forever. And Adam Silver came out and talked about the one-and-done rule, so something that uh, probably will see a change shortly in one way or the other, but uh, might just be a half measure what kind of full measures can they take to really provide the best future for the league and the players? Do you know what Silver, what uh, Adam Silver is favoring in terms of an adjustment to that uh, one-and-done rule? Do you, has Silver's he hinted great. at anything? He's, he's a great progressive commissioner, and he does a great job like putting ideas out there without mm-hmm. saying we're going to do this until they're ready to do it. Yeah. So no, not, not any concrete, but they realize the problem that – isn't an NBA problem technically, but like real quick, what are the pros and cons of a one and done for the NBA? Like not taking college basketball into account, just what the NBA wants. You get more they prepared. Get 
Uh, like John Wall obviously becomes better playing a year under Calipari. Guys who play under uh, Coach and you're K against better people. You're getting a better judgment of his overall talent because he's not playing against high school kids. Very true. He's playing against yeah, like nobody. Well, he's, he's playing against kids one year out of high school, but you know he's going up against twenty year old men, twenty one year old men, twenty two year old men on a nightly basis. Mm-hmm. That's better evaluation for NBA team, right? Yeah, and how so many how many guys are actually NBA ready when they come out of high school? LeBron is probably Dwight Howard has the body of any NBA player, but when you look so at guys like, class, sorry, got, in this draft class, DeAndre Ayton would be playing minutes in the NBA right now if he was allowed to come out. Ben Simmons, we kind of missed two years of Ben Simmons because then he got hurt. He should have been in the NBA. You've got players every year that should and could. My more point is how did that? How does the NBA take that development and use that development and kind of? control it because right now they're kind of letting the ncaa borrow it and letting the ncaa benefit from that development while the nba gets some advantage how does the nba keep it all in-house and that's where i think the g league comes in and uh i don't know if you guys have talked on it no previous. <laughs> so the wizards are about to get one um, right the go go 30 on 30 affiliation you know parent club for each team mm-hmm. this is a place where you can Send your draft picks so they're getting more minutes than they would in an NBA game. Have some young guys that you can look at and hopefully develop. We've seen the introduction of the two-way. Think of the G League in long-term aspects as a pure affiliate, kind of similar as what hockey uses or Major League Baseball uses in terms of, you know, your training and this is all one parent system. Yeah, I think... Wizards, they haven't had that. Yeah, so they haven't had a chance to start developing players. Yeah, and I don't know what the Wizards are doing with their open roster spots and only using one of those two-way contracts. But I think <laughs> there's definitely... It makes sense in some regard, but it's kind of like an investment in your future at the same time to, to go to college. Sure. And, you know, there are definitely players who, who like, need the paycheck, and even if they're not going to play in the NBA and, and get drafted in the first round and make millions, sure. like, they, they need this experience. Because there is so... Like you mentioned, there are some guys who can play in the NBA who are 17, 18 years old right now. But even when you look at guys like T-Mac and Kobe, their first years in the league, they didn't do anything. They averaged like sure. six, seven points. You know, it takes time, even if you are a Kobe Bryant. So that's where I think the half measure comes in, right? So the half measure is get rid of the one-and-done rule, let 18-year-olds come in the NBA. If they don't make it, they've given up their ability to go to college. So, you know, go kind of back to where we were 10, 15 years ago. What I think is use the G League and make a full measure. And that full measure is if these guys are going to college for a year, how much schooling are they getting, right? The one and dones. How serious are they taking classes? I'm pretty sure they can stay eligible, not take classes around March Madness time if they know they're leaving. Mm-hmm. Ben Simmons famously did it last year, just left. Like, I'm out, I'm going to train for the NBA. This was pointless, and he talked negatively about the one and done experience. Yeah, so how many months are you in school? August to February? Yeah. It's great education. So, at the end of the day, what can the NBA do? These guys, like you said, might need money, right? I think a minimum contract in the G League starts around 25000 You know, that is probably the money a lot of these guys took around that in the FBI. You can get more, but he'd be ready for the NBA. So, if you opened up the G League, right, and obviously they're moving towards this with the affiliate system, teams could have those players, kind of use them, draft them young, keep them, let them get the best professional training and the best developmental time. Not even have to worry about the classes, right? At the same time, the NBA's made initiatives to 
teach all their incoming rookies, you know, proper finances and kind of get away from that image that stained professional sports in the past. So I would say use the G League as a place to get the best high school students. They want to go to college for a year and then leave, go for it. But I'd argue whatever you get in the G League be better than what you get at Kentucky or any of the other powerhouses. Not to mention those schools are all probably facing some changes in the near future. So my solution, utilize the G League. Let kids come out in high school. We let them do it in other sports like baseball and hockey. Let them get the best training and the best development. And let the teams control them for you know three, four years and see what they pan out as. And actually give them a chance as opposed to one or two years at the age of 20 when they came out after one year. Mm-hmm. And by the way, John Wall's solution, he was one of the rare success cases of uh, sure. the one and done system, which I mean, I guess you know there are players every year, but it, it hasn't. It's forced now, so there has to be. Of course. Um. So he he said, basically, if you're because there was the proposal that was floated that if you you can go straight to the pros, um, but then if you don't go to the pros and go to college, you need to stay two years instead of one. I think they talked about that a Kinda little like bit. Baseball does it. Yeah, and so he he said if you know he kind of agrees with you if you're going to come straight from high school. You should start in the G League and play there for a year. So you yeah, and John so, are on the same page. Yeah, that's great to hear. I'm not shocked. Two smart guys. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I don't think the NBA should make concessions for NCA. And I don't think the NCA has done a great job running their show. So wouldn't you rather see Brand James being a great case? He went overseas, right? He had to go overseas and not, he didn't want to go to play college basketball. He wasn't smart enough to get into Arizona or any of the schools that he wanted. Grades are another thing. Are these schools lowering their standards so far to let certain students in who don't have an interest in... Right. Like, I I look at Ben Simmons as a perfect example, and I don't understand why he can't be in the league when it's so clear he should be. When you or I at 18 could pretty much get any job. You can fight for the, the U.S. military, too. Sure. And there's a lot of things you can do that besides play in the NBA. And at the end of the day, the teams are the ones taking the risk. You're right. There are plenty of Jonathan Benders and all these other high school top picks that did pan out back in the day. But let those players develop in the G League in an NBA professional setting where they're dedicating their lives to basketball as opposed to the half measure that is a one-and-done college year where you're not really getting the benefits of the school. And... You're playing worse competition, less times devoted towards basketball because there's more being split out. So, and what's the impl- no solution? Perfect, but yeah, I just wonder. I, take a full I think we've been rambling on this a little too long, but I just wonder what would happen to college basketball as a landscape overall. You know, I I assume people that still watch. You think people didn't watch when the one and done was there? You're gonna have different players to root for. I mean, we're yeah. two Wisconsin fans who don't deal with one and done players because we honestly have never had that talent. Those recruits come to yeah. That's a good. Yeah, point. we. It takes years for them to develop at Wisconsin, then we make our runs in the tournament. So, mm-hmm. and like what, at the end of the day, Duke didn't have one and dones yeah. until it became a necessity to build a program and win. And Coach K, can go back and see where he t- speaks out against the idea of one and dones when it gets instituted. And what has he done? He's perfected his team by building it on one and dones. That Duke team that beat us for the most recent championship was right basically four freshmen. So, at the end of the day, I think both. The NBA is starting to admit it, and the NCA is being forced to admit it that the system's broken. Mm-hmm. My fear is with any system that's broken, you try to put a Band-Aid on it and either go back to a half-measure solution or just kind of, you know, 
not take the full steps. I would like to see the NBA keep the ball in their court, make the best decision for the NBA, and you know, take those talented players and develop them from a younger age. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your insight on the T League and this potential solution to some of the um, abuse and mishandling of NCAA uh, dynamics with the players that they're recruiting, oftentimes through, you know, not the most legitimate means. Once again, our guest for the night was Danny Meltzer. Danny, it was a pleasure having you here the past two nights to preview and then recap the Wizards-Bucks game. Obviously, huge playoff implications there. It was a tight finish. It, it stinks for anyone who lost that game, but a big win for the Wizards as they get ready to take on the Golden State Warriors tomorrow night. Danny, it was a pleasure. Thanks so much, man. Yeah, thank you. Just want to say uh, these teams being in the playoffs, I think it's pretty obvious that we're in for a very tight series. And I'll leave this in the immortal words of Brandon Jennings, Bucks and Six, do it for the culture. <laughs> Alright, guys. Good night. Thank you. Listen up closely. All you niggas that said that I turn pop on the fur flop. Y'all are the reason that Dre ain't been getting no sleep. So fuck y'all. All of y'all. If y'all don't like me, Blow me. Y'all are gonna keep fucking around with me and turn me back to the old me. Nowadays, everybody wanna talk like they got something to say, but nothing comes out when they move their lips. Just a bunch of gibberish and motherfuckers act like they forgot about everybody... Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.